Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. If you don't know what greenwashing is, you will by the end of this episode. On today's Parts Per Billion, we're talking about the SEC targeting allegedly environmentally friendly funds that are allegedly greenwashed with the attorneys who are defending those funds. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So today's another ESG episode. It's a topic we love talking about, and according to our analytics, you also love hearing about. For those not in the know, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's a tag that a lot of Wall Street funds have been adopting recently, touting that they only invest in companies that are good for the environment, have a positive social impact, and or have humane corporate governance structures. But as we've talked about in the past, those are all pretty subjective metrics, and both investors and activists have started to worry that just because a mutual fund calls itself ESG doesn't mean it actually is. These worries have risen in tandem with the rise of ESG investing itself. Bloomberg Intelligence estimates that by the end of this year, $41 trillion will be managed by a fund that advertises itself as ESG. So clearly, there are a lot of people who want to invest this way, and they want to get what they're paying for. That's where the SEC steps in. In recent weeks, the agency has proposed regulations that would require ESG funds to report the carbon footprints of the companies they invest in. Also, possibly more significantly, the SEC settled an enforcement claim against BNY Mellon to the tune of $1.5 million over allegations the bank misled investors on some of its ESG products. It's a tricky time to be in the green investing business, and in tricky times, lawyers become really important. We're going to be hearing from two lawyers who represent the financial services folks trying to give investors what they want without running afoul of the SEC. George Rain and Robert Skinner are with the firm Ropes and Gray, and they spoke with Bloomberg Law's Andrew Ramonis about what this new aggressive stance from the SEC means for their clients. George started off by talking about what he and his colleagues are telling nervous ESG fund managers right now. I think the main message we're giving to clients these days is that the, the fears and concerns they had uh, previously based on SEC examinations and public statements uh, are now all the more present and all the more important that the uh, expected actions that the SEC was going to make uh, are now being made. So we've seen the, the first watershed in, enforcement case uh, on an ESG disclosure matter. Uh, and we're seeing real rulemaking that's coming out that has teeth uh, both as to names of funds as well as specific disclosures. And all the expectations are that this will be fast-tracked and some variation on those rules will make their way into the, the, the position of being final rules uh, over the coming months. But I'd be interested, Rob, your perspective on the, uh, you know, there are two, two points here. One is 
they're the immediate uh, response to an enforcement action, which is which is the 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 flag that's up. Uh, obviously, the rules are proposed, and rule proposals require comment, um, so that and we'll, we'll have a fair fair period of time for implementation before the, the compliance is required. So I think first and foremost, we're saying talk to people like Rob Skinner about uh, why they, uh, they they should be could be concerned in the very present moment, long before we have final rules. You know, the timing of the enforcement action against a mutual fund advisor you know, can't have been coincidental, right? It preceded the issuance of the proposed rule amendments by two days um, and strikes us as a pretty vivid prelude um, as to the enforcement agenda uh, that's going to accompany the implementation of the rules, whatever those rules might be. Um, and, and frankly, it's the approach taken in that enforcement action uh, causes us some real concern about um, how uh, aggressively the staff intends to pursue um, what it deems uh, to be greenwashing. I'll start with the premise that I feel like the, the claims of, of widespread greenwashing that we see in a lot of the SEC's rhetoric recently uh, to be pretty overblown. But if the SEC um, is prepared to um, enforce rules and read fund disclosures through a lens uh, that is affected by their view of how um, ESG and sustainable and green funds ought to be run, rather than through the traditional lens of let's see whether or not the disclosures fairly describe how they are being run, um, it may open up a lot of uh, you know enforcement exposure. Um, based upon you know the staff's views uh, regarding what funds should look like. You know what I, what I want to get into is do you, do you think the BNY Mellon case could have a chilling effect on funds that are you know thinking about employing ESG strategies? Well, let me say I certainly hope not. At the end of the day, uh, the law requires that a supposed misrepresentation or omission in fund disclosures be material in order to you know, make out a violation of the securities laws. And that means that, a, a, you know, that there is a substantial likelihood that it would affect the decision of a reasonable investor um, in light of all of the information available, the total mix of information. Frankly, the, 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 the recent enforcement action strikes us as a reach. If the staff is prepared to pursue those kinds of theories consistently and aggressively, it is certainly a possibility this this will be chilling. Building on that, the the BNY Mellon case was certainly selected not just for timing but also for content. The fact that it was hitting only the primary advisor uh, to a fund and they didn't hit the sub advisor; it only hit the advisor as they were organizing their complex. Um, the fact that it was really about ambiguous language rather than actively misleading language. It was more sort of sloppiness as to the to the delineation of which fund did what aspect of, of ESG in, in incorporation into the process that that was the, the focus here than it was any notion that there was active greenwashing or someone uh, 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 intentionally misrepresenting. But, but that's sort of the point of this uh, shot across the bow. Ultimately, the content of this enforcement action is consistent with what we've been seeing and we've been advising clients in the day-to-day -day examination process with the SEC Division of Examinations, where 
the questions they're getting on ESG funds are very much focused on, do you have a process in place to make sure you've ticked and tied every single statement with a, 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 a an ESG activity that's being overseen and documented every time you're saying you, you have uh, any kind of involvement of ESG, how do you know that you're actually doing it? It's the sort of be very clear, say what you do, do what you say, but really tying it in almost with compliance policies and procedures. And so it's it's very much what the examination staff has been pushing for quite some time, and which frankly, a lot of our clients are spending a lot of time trying to be responsive to. So before, before you saw, uh, before this case came out, uh, you saw your clients were seeing uh, an uptick of interest from examinations and in, in ESG. Uh, so this was sort of uh, you, you saw you saw something like this could be coming. Uh, you know how aggressive has those examinations been, and what uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the examinations have been ongoing for several years, and we've been tracking kind of tweaks to the standard request list uh, that. That the, that the exam staff has been out with. Um, it's been a very technical, rigorous process. Anytime they see anything that's sort of ESG related, that you'll get a set of specific questions. Uh, and, and there's a focus on really getting to a compliance oversight role with respect to what previously and frankly reasonably was or could be seen as a uh, a part of the investment process. Right? You don't have compliance officers going through with a compliance policy to tell whether someone is thinks that something will grow quickly or slowly or has a value tilt or some sort of you know these aspects of the process. They can't get inside the heads of the portfolio managers. With ESG, it's in a different category almost. Um, it's the, the, the expectation on exam has been that you have to have a process that links any statement about ESG to what's actually happening on the ground and have some kind of oversight over it. It hasn't helped from the regulatory side of things that a number of managers have taken existing funds and rebranded them with an ESG tilt, um, which immediately gets to the, the, the word of the day, which is greenwashing. Um, and, and I will also note that in the SEC proposing release for the new advisor and fund uh, disclosures, the word greenwashing comes up in the second paragraph. So it's there right at the front. Yeah. And uh, I, I take it this is not going to be a, a, a one-off case for the SEC, this BNY Mellon one, that there, there's, there's likely more more to come. But what what do you expect future litigation to, to look like in this area? Well, I mean, one thing that is remarkable about the settlement order is the staff ultimately concludes that investors could have been misled uh, by what the fund disclosures implied or suggested. To extrapolate from that conclusion to something being materially misleading um, is pretty extraordinary, and we think not in keeping with with um, you know the, the traditional legal standards of, of materiality when when enforcing the securities laws, so if you overlay that approach, um, if the staff is going to be you know using a screen um, about about what somebody could have found misleading in isolation, 
rather than looking at the entire mix of information available to the, to the, to the investor and, and apply that screen to all of the new rules that are about to issue, there are a lot of judgment calls that are going to be required under those rules. And if the staff is prepared to second guess them this aggressively, based on what somebody, quote, could have been misled by um, from what a prospectus might suggest or imply, it could be very fertile ground if that's where the staff wants to go. And of course, um, as we know from history, the plaintiff's bar uh, it happily lines up behind the staff and comes in with securities class actions. It's kind of a recipe uh, for a big fat open door uh, for the plaintiff's bar to follow in behind the staff and, and wreak a lot of havoc. And frankly, um, bring a lot of expensive and distracting litigation um, that is going to ultimately, I'm afraid, you know, undermine the, the ultimate purpose of the, of, the, of the ESG movement, which is to put people's you know, values into action in their investments. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. 
Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. All right, let's get back to our discussion of SEC enforcement of ESG funds. Here is Andrew Ramonis. Now I want to get a little bit into the uh, the ESG fund proposals that that also came out. With, with these uh, proposals, the SEC has been receiving significant pushback from some corners of the finance industry. With the leader of a funds trade group saying the proposal on emissions reporting uh, is unworkable because uh, some emissions information from companies is not accessible to funds. Uh, do you agree? On the emissions reporting piece, I I see that as being on the chopping block when the industry comes in. I, I, this has happened time and time again that the SEC comes out with a set of standards uh, and then some specific, maybe potentially cherry-picked requirement that everyone just can't get over. It happened the first time they, they tried swing pricing. It was to be mandatory, it just became optional, and then no one adopted it. So it may be a first swing. It, it is it is absolutely a blunt instrument um, because it, it 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 picks up one attribute on greenhouse gas emissions with some kind of fuzzy trigger as to whether you need to put this in your in your disclosures and does not give any uh, real a way for you to 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 distinguish between which whether it's E or S or G that you're doing, yet you have to be putting in a whole bunch of disclosure about one particular subset of the E portion of the ES and G, it, it's, it's unworkable. There's arbitrariness. This was also pilloried by Commissioner Peirce in her, in her comments when the, when the proposal was coming out. I, I, don't, I don't see that one surviving. But the, the other parts of the rule, I think aspects of those are, gonna, are absolutely going to be there. And they're going to be wooden and they're going to be difficult to, to deal with. And they're going to have, I think, the effect uh, in the case of the disclosures of pushing the industry to fit their funds into particular boxes because they're being driven by a category that is designed today um, by the SEC based on current practices and isn't really designed or built to expand and develop over time as the concept of ESG investing develops. And that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use a pretty easy to remember handle. It's at environment, just that, at environment. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Zach Sherwood and Chuck McCutcheon. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court, the filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. 
Check in on Fridays with Bloomberg Law's Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon of the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business. From liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.